the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. And here we are, thanking you for joining us as we continue our way through the first book of the Bible, that book of Genesis. We've made our way now into chapter 30, following the experiences of Abraham and his descendants. Starting in chapter 12, the book of Genesis moves from its focus on God's dealings with the whole human race to God's dealings with this man and his descendants, Abraham and then Isaac, then twin brothers. We're following their experiences, and Jacob is now preparing to return home. Jacob, as we've mentioned before, has had a very interesting spiritual pilgrimage. He heard about the God of his fathers from his parents, Isaac and Rebekah. He has taken his time coming around to trusting the true and living God. We're following the theme of him as a heel grabber, in other words, a manipulator, using the people around him and circumstances for his own personal benefit. He has fled up to the north to Padam Aram to be with his uncle Laban. He has found a wife there, two wives, in fact, (laughs) Rachel and Leah, and their handmaidens. So we have a very complicated, difficult family situation. We'll see tonight as he comes back to Canaan. He'll come back down to the south and have his reunion with his twin brother Esau. God is still working. That is, his primary purpose is to draw from the human race, draw out a people for himself. But now, in the scriptures at least, we're turning to focus on this man Abraham and Sarah and their descendants because now we're going to focus on the redemptive plan as it begins to work its way out. 
man fell into sin and into judgment by God in time and space in history, and that redemptive plan, the salvation of man, will also need to be carried out in time and space in history. So we are beginning now with Abraham and Sarah. We'll follow God's dealings with them. Ultimately, though, we are looking to their very special descendant called the Messiah. Right now, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment from Psalm chapter 9 tonight on The Bible Life. Psalm 9. I will thank you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn away in retreat. They are overthrown and destroyed before you. For you have judged in my favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have wiped out their names forever. My enemies have met their doom. Their cities are perpetual ruins. Even the memory of their uprooted cities is lost. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from His throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never abandoned anyone who searches for you. Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore those who cry to him for help. Lord, have mercy on me. See how I suffer at the hands of those who hate me. Snatch me back from the jaws of death. Save me so I can praise you publicly at Jerusalem's gates, so I can rejoice that you have rescued me. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. They have been caught in their own trap. The Lord is known for his justice. The wicked have trapped themselves in their own snares. The wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all the nations who ignore God. For the needy will not be forgotten forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Arise, O Lord! Do not let mere mortals defy you. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let them know they are merely human. End of reading Psalm 9. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. I think that could be a good theme song for Jacob. <laughs> he is going to come running to God. He's going to finally determine and decide that the true and living God, the God of his fathers, is indeed glorious and wonderful. Now, we are going to pick up tonight in chapter 30, but if you look back in chapter 28, remember now that when Jacob began his journey, he was fleeing from his brother Esau, valuing the birthright. He had stolen, in a sense, by deception, the birthright from his twin brother, involving his dad as well in that episode. But on his way, remember, he has that dream of the ladder, Jacob's ladder with the angels going up and down the stairway. Jacob made this vow to the Lord. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, if he will provide for me clothing and food 
and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. He will begin to tithe to God a tenth of everything he gives me and so on. Jacob has set out some conditions. He has made a deal with God. So he goes up, and now, as you know, his uncle Laban, who was very much a lover of money, deceives him. Jacob the deceiver, the heel grabber, becomes the deceived one, and he is taken advantage of by his uncle Laban. Laban is one who has his eye on wealth, and he takes advantage of Jacob and has him work 14 years in order to have his daughter as wives, Rachel the one he loved, and Leah, the one that he had to take first because she was older. Then, of course, he spends another few years just working for Laban, making Laban rich. God is indeed blessing him so that he is able then to leave and return home. All of the conditions of Jacob's dealings with God come to fruition. And as you will see, Jacob begins to turn toward God. Now he's not just a heel grabber. He's going to grab on to God. And then, of course, in the final aspect of his life, God is going to grab Jacob. We will see him become truly a godly man, one who truly follows after the the living God and who consults with God and relates to God and allows God to guide him and lead him as he continues to give leadership to his family. We'll see how Jacob's wealth begins to increase as he works for Laban, and then he makes the decision to return home. There's some complications with some stolen idols and gods from Laban's household, and we'll talk about his reunion with his twin brother Esau as well. Fast ride tonight, a lot of activity. What does this teach us about God and about his ways with mankind? The Bible Life. Genesis 30:25 through 32:32 followed by Psalm 9:1 through 10. Genesis 30. Soon after Joseph was born to Rachel, Jacob said to Laban, "I want to go back home. Let me take my wives and children, for I have earned them from you, and let me be on my way. You know I have fully paid for them with my service to you. Please don't leave me," Laban replied, "for I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because you are here. How much do I owe you? Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Jacob replied, You know how faithfully I've served you through these many years, and how your flocks and herds have grown. You had little indeed before I came, and your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you from everything I do. But now what about me? When should I provide for my own family? What wages do you want? Laban asked again. Jacob replied, Don't give me anything at all. Just do one thing, and I'll go back to work for you. Let me go out among your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted, along with all the dark-colored sheep. Give them to me as my wages. This will make it easy for you to see whether or not I have been honest. If you find in my flock any white sheep or goats that are not speckled, you will know that I have stolen them from you. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you have said. But that very day Laban went out and removed all the male goats that were speckled and spotted, the females that were speckled and spotted with any white patches, and all the dark-colored sheep. He placed them in the care of his sons, and they took them three days' distance from where Jacob was. Meanwhile Jacob stayed and cared for Laban's flock. Now Jacob took fresh shoots from poplar, almond, and plane trees and peeled off strips of the bark to make white streaks on them. Then he set up these peeled branches beside the watering trough so Laban's flocks would see them as they came to drink, for that was when they mated. So when the flocks mated in front of the white streaked branches, all of their offspring were streaked, speckled, and spotted. 
Jacob added them to his own flock, thus separating the lambs from Laban's flock. Then at mating time he turned the flocks toward the streaked and dark-colored rams in Laban's flock. This is how he built his flock from Laban's. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob set up the peeled branches in front of them. But he didn't do this with the weaker ones, so the weaker lambs belonged to Laban, and the stronger ones were Jacob's. As a result, Jacob's flocks increased rapidly, and he became very wealthy with many servants, camels, and donkeys. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 31. But Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were beginning to grumble. Jacob has robbed our father, they said. All his wealth has been gained at our father's expense. And Jacob began to notice a considerable cooling in Laban's attitude toward him. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. Jacob called Rachel and Leah out to the field where he was watching the flocks, so he could talk things over with them. Your father has turned against me and is not treating me like he used to, he told them, but the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I have worked for your father, but he has tricked me, breaking his wage agreement with me again and again. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For if he said the speckled animals were mine, the whole flock began to produce speckled lambs. And when he changed his mind and said I could have the streaked ones, then all the lambs were born streaked. In this way, God has made me wealthy at your father's expense. During the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob! And I replied, Yes, I'm listening. The angel said, Look, and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen all that Laban has done to you. I am the God you met at Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made a vow to serve me. Now leave this country and return to the land you came from. Rachel and Leah said, That's fine with us. There's nothing for us here. None of our father's wealth will come to us anyway. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. He sold us, and what he received for us has disappeared. The riches God has given you from our father are legally ours and our children's to begin with. So go ahead and do whatever God has told you. So Jacob put his wives and children on camels. He drove the flocks in front of him, all the livestock he had acquired at Padan Aram, and set out on his journey to the land of Canaan where his father Isaac lived. At the time they left, Laban was some distance away, shearing his sheep. Rachel stole her father's household gods and took them with her. They set out secretly and never told Laban they were leaving. Jacob took all his possessions with him and crossed the Euphrates River heading for the territory of Gilead. Laban didn't learn of their flight for three days, but when he did, he gathered a group of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. He caught up with them seven days later in the hill country of Gilead. But the previous night, God had appeared to Laban in a dream. Be careful about what you say to Jacob, he was told. So when Laban caught up with Jacob as he was camped in the hill country of Gilead, he set up his camp not far from Jacob's. What do you mean by sneaking off like this, Laban demanded. Are my daughters prisoners the plunder of war that you have stolen them away like this? Why did you slip away secretly? I would have given you a farewell party with joyful singing accompanied by tambourines and harps. Why didn't you let me kiss my daughters and grandchildren and tell them goodbye? You have acted very foolishly. I could destroy you, but the God of your father appeared to me last night and told me be careful about what you say to Jacob. I know you feel you must go, and you long intensely for your childhood home. 
But why have you stolen my household gods? I rushed away because I was afraid, Jacob answered. I said to myself, he'll take his daughters from me by force. But as for your household gods, let the person who has taken them die. If you find anything that belongs to you, I swear before all these relatives of ours, I will give it back without question. But Jacob didn't know that Rachel had taken them. Laban went first into Jacob's tent to search there, then into Leah's, and then he searched the two concubines, but he didn't find the gods. Finally, he went into Rachel's tent. Rachel had taken the household gods and had stuffed them into her camel saddle, and now she was sitting on them. So although Laban searched all the tents, he couldn't find them. Forgive my not getting up, father, Rachel explained. I'm having my monthly period. So despite his thorough search, Laban didn't find them. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Then Jacob became very angry. What did you find, he demanded of Laban. What is my crime? You have chased me as though I were a criminal. You have searched through everything I own. Now show me what you have found that belongs to you. Set it out here in front of us before our relatives for all to see. Let them decide who is the real owner. Twenty years I have been with you, and all that time I cared for your sheep and goats so they produced healthy offspring. In all those years I never touched a single ram of yours for food. If any were attacked and killed by wild animals, did I show them to you and ask you to reduce the count of your flock? No, I took the loss. You made me pay for every animal stolen from the flocks whether the loss was my fault or not. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day and through cold and sleepless nights. Yes, twenty years, fourteen of them earning your two daughters, and six years to get the flock. And you have reduced my wages ten times. In fact, except for the grace of God, the God of my grandfather Abraham, the awe-inspiring God of my father Isaac, you would have sent me off without a penny to my name. But God has seen your cruelty and my hard work. That is why he appeared to you last night and vindicated me. Then Laban replied to Jacob, These women are my daughters, and these children are my grandchildren, and these flocks and all that you have, all are mine. But what can I do now to my own daughters and grandchildren? Come now, and we will make a peace treaty, you and I, and we will live by its terms. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a monument. He also told his men to gather stones and pile them up in a heap. Jacob and Laban then sat down beside the pile of stones to share a meal. They named it Witness Pile, which is Jagar Sahadutha in Laban's language and Galid in Jacob's. This pile of stones will stand as a witness to remind us of our agreement, Laban said. This place was also called Mitzpah, for Laban said, May the Lord keep watch between us to make sure that we keep this treaty when we are out of each other's sight. I won't know about it if you are harsh to my daughters, or if you take other wives, but God will see it. This heap of stones and this pillar stand between us as a witness of our vows. I will not cross this line to harm you, and you will not cross it to harm me. I call on the God of our ancestors, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of my grandfather Nahor, to punish either one of us who harms the other. So Jacob took an oath before the awesome God of his father Isaac to respect the boundary line. Then Jacob presented a sacrifice to God and invited everyone to a feast. Afterward, they spent the night there in the hills. Laban got up early the next morning, and he kissed his daughters and grandchildren and blessed them. Then he returned home. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 32. As Jacob and his household started on their way again, angels of God came to meet him. When Jacob saw them, he exclaimed, This is God's camp. 
So he named the place Mahanaim. Jacob now sent messengers to his brother Esau in Edom, the land of Seir. He told them, Give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. I have been living with Uncle Laban until recently, and now I own oxen, donkeys, sheep, goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform you of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to us. The messengers returned with the news that Esau was on his way to meet Jacob with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household along with the flocks and herds and camels into two camps. He thought if Esau attacks one group, perhaps the other can escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me to return to my land and to my relatives, and you promised to treat me kindly. I am not worthy of all the faithfulness and unfailing love you have shown to me, your servant. When I left home, I owned nothing except a walking stick, and now my household fills two camps. O Lord, please rescue me from my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to kill me along with my wives and children. But you promised to treat me kindly and to multiply my descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore, too many to count. Jacob stayed where he was for the night and prepared a present for Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He told his servants to lead them on ahead, each group of animals by itself, separated by a distance in between. He gave these instructions to the men leading the first group. When you meet Esau, he will ask, Where are you going? Whose servants are you? Whose animals are these? You should reply, These belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present for his master Esau. He is coming right behind us. Jacob gave the same instructions to each of the herdsmen and told them, You are all to say the same thing to Esau when you see him. And be sure to say, Your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob's plan was to appease Esau with the presents before meeting him face to face. Perhaps, Jacob hoped, he will be friendly to us. So the presents were sent on ahead, and Jacob spent that night in the camp. But during the night, Jacob got up and sent his two wives, two concubines, and eleven sons across the Jabbok River. After they were on the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint at the socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is dawn. But Jacob panted, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. It is now Israel, because you have struggled with both God and men and have won. What is your name? Jacob asked him. Why do you ask? the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun rose as he left Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. That is why even today the people of Israel don't eat meat from near the hip, in memory of what happened that night. End of reading Genesis thirty twenty-five through thirty-two thirty-two.
That could be Jacob's theme song tonight. I'm in better hands now. He has finally come full circle to full faith, trust in the God of his fathers. A name change is very important in Scripture. These name changes mark an important point of growth, of maturity, of understanding in the lives of these people. So Jacob the heel grabber now has become Israel, one who has wrestled with God and won. He has struggled with God. All true believers, in some way, it's wrestling with God. It's wrestling in our mind, in our heart, in our emotions with the idea of knowing God and what it means. We struggle through. That's the point, is to struggle through, to come to a point of full growth and maturity and faith in the true and living God. Jacob has struggled. He has tried every kind of solution besides God. He's tried to finagle. He's tried to manipulate people and situations, and he's just not been able to do it. But he has seen now God at work on his behalf. In chapter 30, as we come in, Jacob's wealth is increasing, and we talk a lot about sheep. There is no scientific relevance to the things that Jacob did, putting striped boards in front of them, now removing the striped animals and so on, what Laban did. Now, that would certainly have made a difference genetically in the breeding of the sheep. But the things that Jacob did, there really is no basis for thinking that that made a difference and whether the flocks were born with speckles or spots or stripes or whatever. This was just God blessing Jacob. That's all there is to it. Jacob's efforts there were not what made the difference. I do want to mention these idols. They're called teraphim, T-E-R-A-P-H-I-M. You could look them up. Look up Laban's idols and Rebecca. It's a very interesting study. There is a book of Jasher, an extra-biblical Jewish book. It talks about these teraphim. They are actually the head of a person. These are miniaturized, shrunken heads of people. They look to them for wisdom to get information. And there are several theories about why Rebecca stole the idols. One is that she was trying to deliver her father Laban from idolatry. And the other was that she just didn't want Laban to get information from the idol about where they were going. The messiness the of the Bible. Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 